What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another searing hot episode of Write Who You Know. I'm Matt Hausfetter, and this is the screenwriting podcast that's the behind the scenes of the behind the scenes. You know, my producer doesn't love the behind the scenes of the behind the scenes, but to that I say, too bad. Start your own podcast, Michael. Uh, anyway, today is June 27th. Uh, we're in week eight of the strike. Uh, it's getting hot out there. Uh, fatigue is setting in. I don't know how everyone's doing it. I got to take a week or two off because of uh, this gnarly ingrown toe uh, toenail surgery thing that I got going on that I actually get into with Maggie because like me, uh, she is an own ingrown toner. Is that what we're called? Uh, so yeah, there is a segment of this episode that's basically talking toes, but enough about that because Maggie is so much more. I am so excited to have her here. Uh, she has written on shows like Dad, Life in Pieces. She's currently writing on Family Guy. Yeah, you heard that right. She writes on Family Guy uh, when we're not in a strike. She is the co-creator of Maggie, which uh, was on Hulu. I believe those dipshits took it off for a tax write-off, which is heartbreaking. But she is the co-creator, and it's a miracle getting anything over the finish line. So we tip our hat to her. And she uh, wrote on Not Dead Yet. Um, and also, for what it's worth, she had a pretty baller uh, overall at 20th. Hopefully that isn't affected by the WGA strike, but you never know. Uh, anyway, Maggie Mull, incredible person, L.A. native. She writes and does cartoons for The New Yorker. She is so smart and so fun and so witty. Honestly, I could do this with her uh, once a month. So without further ado, here is my interview with local L.A. writer, uh, cartoonist extraordinaire, uh, wearer of wonderful floral patterns, Maggie Mull. Pass. Nope. We love Matt. It's just a really hard time right now. The industry's contracting. Come back to us and give some bigger attachments. Tell them right what you know. No, tell them right who you know. I wonder how many podcasts are born out of People getting high, going to Apple Pan, seeing Guitar Center, and buying microphones. A lot. A lot, right? A lot. That's the triumvirate of uh, podcast births. And I hated that they like knew from Jump Street, like, <laughs> oh, this is what he's... By the way, if you get hot in here, you let me know, because I have AC. It's not on at the moment. I feel okay. If, if I'm sweating, no, that's it's just me, I'm my like natural like state. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like this. It's like the Russian bathhouse. Yes. We're just kind of having a... Yes. A, a kiki, as they say, a spitz. A yes. kiki, I've also, I love having a kiki, <laughs> though I don't get to engage in many kikis, mm -hmm. but uh, the ones I've had are fabulous. This is going to be a kiki. Maggie, I don't even know if you know this, but I remembered this. Do you know the first time you and I ever interacted? Oh, God, was I drunk? No. No. Okay, we were good. 13 years old. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to blow your mind yes. in five seconds. Blow my mind. Okay. I don't know if you remember this. Conference call, seventh grade, me, you, Ben Luber. <laughs> No. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, no. That makes sense. Just so you know, I have the worst memory ever. Okay. I don't I don't remember what I did yesterday. Okay. So I actually think like I could see a doctor for it if I wanted to, but I keep forgetting. But uh, I don't remember that, really. I mean, I know that you and I might have instant messaged a few times. Yeah. yeah what was right? your screen name? Oh, it changed. What was it like? Do you? It, it was, <laughs> it was, uh, I think it was Tree Bernice, maybe. I don't, I didn't, I don't think I knew a Tree Bernice. Maybe a mole, something, something, something. Yeah. I always thought it was Tree Bernice. Um, there was maybe Wrinkle 88. That was one of them. Okay. Okay. Uh, these aren't spark, like these aren't sending flashes to me <laughs> yet, but maybe we'll get there. What was yours? Uh, I think at the time, um, it was either I want your mom spelled with your Y-E-R, which is <laughs> fucked up because it's still my eBay name because they can't change it, <laughs> which sucks for so many reasons. Um, and then my parents like canceled traditional AOL when like I AIM became a thing. So I was mm. just like, I love Jerry and Steph, which were my parents, Aww. ironically. Um, do you remember what we talked about on this conference call? Here's what I remember. Uh, I was playing Goldeneye on Nintendo 64 yes. while we had this conference call. <laughs> Um, I don't really remember what we were talking about, but I hadn't, I didn't really know either of you. And this is when I was friendly with Ben Luber. Do you know where the story goes? Oh gosh. To ninth grade. It skips a few years. Okay. All right. Were you there the night I nearly got beaten to a fucking pulp by Ben Luber, Aaron Luber and the Brentwood football team at Emily no. Goulson's house? No, no. Cause that's where this story goes. Oh no. 
I just want, for the record, I was not a part of that no, we, uh, no, we, journey. <laughs> you definitely were not a part, but um, it culminates with Ben Luber hooking up with a girl at Oakwood mm. in Abercrombie and Fitch, me having a big mouth and telling every single person I knew about it, him attacking me with like Alex Fagay and Oliver Temple Higgins on Instant Messenger. Yeah, yeah. And then I go to a party. I'm 14 years old. I'm wearing a, a Slim Shady shirt because M&M <laughs> well, was like yeah, why the, wouldn't you the be? biggest thing ever. <laughs> it was truly like a, a can't hardly wait size party. Like I have oh never been God. to a bigger party since. And uh, I remember being in the living room and um, was it which Fujikawa? Michael Fujikawa? One of the Fujikawas, not Brady because he was too young, like stopped an entire party and was like, Madhouse Fetter, get on your fucking knees. And I was like, what? And like the whole party like shuffled into this den. And of course I got on my knees because I was going to be fucking murdered. <laughs> and they were like, say I am Ben Looper's bitch or we're going to beat the living shit out of you. So everyone's like watching this. Okay. And I was so nervous. I was like, Ben Luber's my bitch. That was just like what came out of my mouth yeah. by accident. No, you went into fight or flight. And they were like, what? Like grabbed my shirt collar. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. Like I'm Ben Luber's bitch. I'll never forget like Alana Siegel and some other girls after were like, Matt, you did the right thing. And all the guys <laughs> were like, you fucking dorkus loser, bitch, pussy. Like all of the mean things you can say. Oh, jeez. And then. This is by far the most like aggressive private schools of los angeles story i've ever heard it gets better in <laughs> that the party got bigger because my friends called uh do you know dash hutton did you know him growing no, up ever but uh, these are all iconic a, names yeah he's a yeah. little canyon boy okay. and his older brother tim and his friends came with baseball bats okay. and at that point i didn't know this at the time gil garcetti the da of la was emily goulston's parents next door neighbor so emily goulston her parents are out of town. Gil Garcetti comes over with like a squ squad cars, helicopter. That's how this party broke up. It was literally in a Project X fashion wow. of kids scrambling <laughs> and the DA of the city having to like break it up um, before I got killed. I didn't go to a, a West Side party ever again. I wouldn't have either. I was terrified for my life. And like websites were made. Alex Fagay made a website about me that was a bowl of jizz and it's just said Madhouse Fetter on it. This gets even better in that at in college, freshman year, I guess he didn't have the best time. Mm. He comes home early, and I happen to like run into him in Mandy Brown's house. Does that name ring? That a bell? name means not a whole lot to me, but she—it's a great name. He apologizes. He says, "Matt, I had a rough time at college. Wow. I just want to tell you, like, I am so sorry for like making a website that, is, <laughs> that had your face with a bowl of cum on it." And By the way, bowl of cum, like <laughs> a man can be so lucky to have such product. That's right? amazing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I did like, I did finally get the uh, resolve that I was looking for. And I ran into Ben Luber later at like University of Wisconsin. And uh, he was not a terrorist. And um, so did they actually put fists on you? No, like I, okay. it didn't come to me getting killed, yes. but it came it was closer than I ever, like, I was, like, in tears on the way home, and I was like, I'm never, like, this was, like, a terrible, like, <laughs> high school, like, this is horrible. Yeah, I never want to, like, and, like, there was the jujitsu crew at the time, so, like, people were getting that. their ass kicked at parties. I think they were. I can't tell, like, I feel like these L.A. party stories always end with, like, and then it almost happened. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> we were all quite uh, yeah, I know. protected and guarded, but, yeah. um. But still very scary, and I hated those parties, and I didn't quite care for high school. So, yeah, yeah. and yet here we are right, having but, conferenced in eighth grade. But, yeah, so that's that's where I remembered that, like, when I was thinking and, like, doing my research and whatever, and I was like, oh, my God, I wonder if Maggie remembers that. Um, but I don't think you do, and that's totally fine because I have a memory like a steel trap. It's amazing. I actually am so envious of your memory and i'm envious like when i listen to these podcasts your recall for names is incredible and information and you're gonna get none of that from me no, that's okay <laughs> that's okay yeah i will provide i will provide the inf well there's some names i don't know but like uh, i'll try to do as, as good a job as i can mm. because you know i i want to do a great episode for you as well yeah um, by the way, I wanted to tell you that was the nicest email you sent me. Um, other than like my mom, who's like, these podcasts are fabulous. <laughs> uh, I really do appreciate it because like in the beginning, I'm so insecure. I'm like, 
Who wants to be episode eight? Who wants to be episode 14? Like getting people to come do this until you become, mm. not that I'm going to become, but it's hard in the beginning. Yes. I, you know, to just like keep getting people to do this, especially, um, you know, people that I don't know as well as like, I know someone like a you well-ish yes. or like a Nikki Schwartz writer, whomever. Yeah. Um, long way of saying thank you. You're welcome. And I feel like I'm, I'm a great episode eight. Like I'm always your an ep- episode going to be like 21, eight, by the way, never I think an episode 50. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're going to be like in the double digits. So this is very exciting. This is exciting. Oh yeah. my gosh. That's yeah. the highest I've ever been. Maggie, what I wanted to ask and start you with is like, first of all, did you know you wanted to be a writer in high school or college or? Yeah. So someone actually asked me this the other day and they were like, how long did you know you wanted to be a writer? And I gave them an answer that was totally grammatically incorrect. Ironically, it was like, I never not didn't know I wanted to not be a writer. Like it was (laughs) such a garbage, but I, I always, it's almost like it wasn't even a choice. I've never, I've never not wanted to be a writer. I think that might've been what I said. Um, but I was an only child. I had club feet, like I couldn't play sports. So I feel like I just always was indoors. I always kept a journal like I and because my memory sucks and I didn't have a sibling to like be a witness to my life's experiences. I just always wrote things down. Um, So my trajectory was to be a fiction writer. Like that's, that's what I wanted to do. I had no desire to be in Hollywood. My dad was in Hollywood. I, I don't know why I, I just didn't buy into the dream of Hollywood, I think, because I knew it wasn't real. Yeah. Um, so I went down that path and then of course, like here I am, (laughs) I think once I found out that you could like get paid to be a writer rather than, you know, have to pay your whole life writing books, uh, it appealed to me more. That's great. Because I'm a miser. So you yeah. always knew. Wow. Was there anything like that you read in high school? Like, I know I told you like dorkily, like, oh, I loved Less Than Zero by Bretty Snell's. Because that truly, like someone handed that to me. I don't know if you ever read that book. I did. Okay. But yes. it's like, takes place in LA, high schools, kids, parties, drugs. I was like, wow. Like, a bo- I was, oh, I'd only read books that were assigned to me in class yeah. until someone handed me that. I was like, oh, this is cool. I didn't know you could do this. I think I felt similarly about like Catcher in the Rye mm-hmm. where I was like, oh my God, you can like say the word goddamn in a book. That's cool. I mean, you know, that book inspired a lot of terrible things, but I, uh, I like Mark David Chapman, yeah. for example. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I read anything that felt that way. Maybe in college, like I read you, this is so obnoxious. I read Ulysses and it like really blew my mind um i love the odyssey and people are like you read the odyssey i was like yes. yeah dog and it fucking rules <laughs> <laughs> they should put that as a blurb on the front cover of the <laughs> odyssey <laughs> um yeah i love the odyssey and i i i think uh when i moved to new york i was like yes i'm understanding language i'm i'm gonna be a writer i'm gonna shake shit up and uh, then I was even going to go to graduate school for fiction writing um, after college. And while I was there, I got on Twitter, which is like, you know, mm-hmm. the the murderer of all creativity. And uh, that's when my life kind of shifted into comedy writing. Um, but it didn't even occur to me that you could like be a comedy writer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, No, I didn't. I didn't know that was a thing either. I just was like. You can just like be a writer and you write stuff. Yeah. And what you write is like up to you. I didn't know there was like drama versus comedy. You know, I just figured like there's writing. Yeah. Wait, did you, before I got up to change the air conditioning, did you ask me if I, something about writing? Did I studied writing? Oh, right. Okay. So this is so fucking embarrassing. My trajectory is I'm 14 and I see cruel intentions. I'm like, oh my God, dude keeps a journal of his girlfriends. (laughs) Brilliant. I start doing that. I wrote a book quote unquote book called dying to get laid in high school, which was really just like my exaggerated sexual experiences, but it's about a boy who's afraid he's going to die before he loses his virginity. I feel like I remember hearing that you might have written a book and I feel like again, vague memories, but that I was like incredibly jealous of that. Oh my God. You have all the like, uh, energy that I have lacked my whole life. Like the way that you get things done. It's not even get things done. It just was sort of like, It truly stemmed from a fear of death um, of like, (laughs) I'm going to be dead and I want to have something left behind. 
And so like even having a PA credit on a movie, I was like, I did it. Like, I'm good. <laughs> you know, like time capsule left. Madhouse Fetter VFX PA Terminator 3. I actually love this because I feel like you and I are kind of like actually a yin and yang in in dealing with death and that you're like, I'm going to die. I'm going to do everything. And I'm kind of like, oh, fuck, I'm going to die. Like, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So everyone listen up. This is a, a great lesson in how to use your life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was awful. But like. I was like, oh, I like did something. I set out to do it and like I finished it. And to me, it was like um, cosplay. Like, and I wrote most of it during the summer and like I would drink a glass of scotch. Like I thought it was fucking Hemingway. And I would sit (laughs) at my desk and just like write for two hours before I went out. And then when I went out at night, I got to be like, oh yeah, like I'm an 18 year old writer. I'm writing a book. Like I thought that was so cool, but. uh, It was cool to be fair. Yeah. Because I just look back at me, I'm like, you fucking idiot, you <laughs> fucking dork. Mm. Um, but I studied film and television uh, at school, like communications yeah. or whatever that is at BU. That's right. Um, and while I was there, like, I really learned. I didn't. I didn't know there was like st- structure or like save the cat yet. I just I took this one course with this professor Michael Loman who had written on Sesame Street, and your final you had to write a spec. And mm. I wrote an episode of Entourage, which was <laughs> very popular at the time. Um, but it was so inside baseball because it was about Disney buying, um, Miramax and what that did to the Weinstein brothers. And it was like, so fucking nutty. Um, but I enjoyed it and I was like, wow, like this is great. And I gave it to a couple of friends just being like, you're bros who like entourage. Yeah. And they're like, this actually sounds like the show. And I was like, <laughs> oh, like, yeah, like that's cool. what, I, that's what, I, fuck yeah. Like that's what yeah. I'm trying to do. And that's what sort of got me. Um, started, but for the most part, like, no, I was just like, I also like adapted less than zero into a movie again. Like there was just like (laughs) dumb projects I gave myself. It's actually a really good idea and maybe something I should do because I rarely write is to just adapt something that's already been adapted and just adapt it again. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like I watched (laughs) the movie. Um, cause when I read the book, people were like, you need to see the movie. Robert Downey Jr. is incredible. Mm. And I watched it and I was like, This is nothing like the fucking book. I agree. So I'm going to redo the book the way it's meant to be. (laughs) Um, And I was such a fucking dork. I found, they made a movie of his other book called The Informers. And I like got it to the producers and I I read it and it's like the most horrible. Like I still didn't have a fucking clue what Mm. I was doing. That's a virtue, I think, when you're starting out. Um, I think the minute you realize what you're doing, it becomes really hard to do it. Yeah. Like, my best work has always been when I didn't know what I was doing. And um, I think that's how I started out. You know, I wrote a really, really bad spec script for the show that I was applying for, which is, I think, illegal. But, um what yeah. show was this for? This was for dads. Um, was that your first job? That was my very first job. Great. And I had, you know, I always forget this part of the story, but like I had written a screenplay like around that time. So I guess the wheels were turning that maybe I wanted to be writing. Like I love movies. I always love movies. And maybe what it Same. was was that I didn't, I never watched TV that much. Like I watched the Simpsons and that, that was about it growing up. Um, and I watched family guy, which is where I get to work now, which is incredible. But I, I, I watched a lot of movies, a lot of movies. And so I, I think I thought maybe I would do that. Um, and then when I got an opportunity to write on a show, it seemed like, Oh, well, this is, this is better than, you know, not doing anything. (laughs) Did you, uh, technical questions. Did you have representatives at the time? So, yes, I, um, so I was at CalArts, I was getting, trying to get a master's in, in fiction writing. Oh shit. So yes. you like went, you continued your educational journey. I continued journey. my educational journey. I was dead set. I was like, I, I was like you, I'm going to sit at my computer with a scotch and I'm going <laughs> to, you know, wear like flowy blouses and I'm going to, you know, look at people with dark, sullen eyes and I'm going to write something great. And, uh. I was on Twitter. Um, well, actually, I, so I wrote this screenplay and it was I gave it to Harper Dill's brother, Mike Dill Mike and Dill. Lowell Shapiro at Black Box Management. And they were, I think, just starting out and they, you know, I think they liked it and were willing to talk about it. And so they were kind of representing me. And then I got 
the job at dad's kind of like behind the scenes because, and this is, I, I say this in every podcast, I'm sorry, but like, it's the most embarrassing, like diminishing part of my journey because I knew Alex Sulkin from Twitter. Um, and so when I found out my dad was going to be on his show, uh, I messaged him and I was like, hey, I really would love to write on the show. I know my dad's voice really well. Like, I want to be a writer. You like my jokes. Like, and he was like, great, send, you know, send us a script. And so I wrote a script and I essentially just copied and pasted all of my tweets into a script and it was garbage. It was funny garbage. Like, and I'll say that, but, um, when I met with them, it was a good interview. I met with Mike Scully and Wellesley Wild, and they gave me a staff writing position. And, you know, Alec Sulkin, who I'm still very good friends with, swears that it was a much better script than I give myself credit for. But um, I don't remember it that way. Well, I give you <laughs> super props, A, for that's what I always say. I'm like, so much of it is not the fucking writing. Like, it's the fucking hustling part. And to, like have the wherewithal to like do that and see like, Oh, there may be an opportunity here. So I salute you. I don't think that's diminishing at all. I think that's being resourceful and being smart and putting the pieces together for lack of a better expression. I think, yeah, it was weird. It was a weird time. I feel like, you know, I was given like three hours of confidence in my life and I used up all three of them in that moment. And <laughs> now I don't have any left. Uh, like that's what I mean by sometimes you do better when you don't know what you're doing. If I think if I nowadays, I would never email a showrunner or reach out to a showrunner and be like, Hey, I know I could write for this. Like it's, I don't have that left. So <laughs> it's interesting because nowadays just given like, I always say like, I don't have cool credits. I'm never going to get staffed. My agents are like, why do you want to staff? You created your own show. And yeah. I'm going, because it's the most fun ever. The and like, most I would fun. like to clock out and not worry about 500 production related issues for the rest of the night, day, morning, you know, for however long the schedule is, I would like to just like do jokes and story and then, you know, go home. Yeah, um, I totally agree with you, by the way. I don't think that's crazy. Do you remember where you were when you got, I ask everybody this, do you remember where you were when you got the call of like, you're going to be yes. a writer now? Do you know what's weird? That I remember. I do. I remember that I hadn't heard anything about the job and it was like Monday morning and or something. It was Friday morning and I was like, oh, geez, like this is not going to happen. And so this is so pathetic. No, um, it's not at all. By the way, I'm just. I'm gonna, oh, sorry. No, 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 it's okay. I'm just bringing it closer. Is that better? Sure. Um, this is very pathetic. But I remember I was like, okay, I have to like keep moving. So I got dressed, and I remember I like put on a dress. I was like, I'm not gonna give up on myself, and I was gonna go to the Country Mart, the Brentwood Country Mart. I was living at my at my parents uh, at the time, and. I got my laptop and I was like, I'm going to go work on a short story. And I was standing in their front yard, like walking out to go to the country mart. And I got an email from Wellesley being like, congratulations, you start on Monday. And it was, I think that like is one of the top three best moments of my life. Because oh, I, I was like, no matter what, this will have always happened. Like, even if I blow it, I will have gotten this job and, um, I don't know. I never thought I never thought I could do something like that. And uh, so, yeah. Well, I salute you, dog. <laughs> That's I mean, just like I didn't get a printed letter. Matt has a printed letter on his wall that is so cool that basically it's very official. It has a Warner Brothers letterhead. And yeah. I won't get into it. No, you can, it's from Peter Roth. It's from and it's Peter like, welcome, Roth. welcome back to your commitment to excellence on uh, Undateable Season 2. It's the beacon super of comedy. official. It's really cool. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yeah, I did not get one of those. But it was, I mean, starting at that job was terrifying and incredible. It must have been intimidating, too, because those are some pretty smart gents in that. Uh, were you the only lady on that show? Uh, it was me and Mike Scully. Uh, his wife, Julie Scully. Do you know her? No. I shouldn't describe her as Mike Scully's wife. She is Julie Scully, and she's a writer, and she's incredible. Um, and so it was the two of us and a bunch of Simpsons writers. Like, some some of these people to this day are like, I mean, all of them are, are the best writers comedically that I know. So it was incredibly intimidating, but also I think a really, really solid 
way to learn how this works. Yeah. Um, that was a multicam, yeah? It was a multicam. Multicams rule. Everyone shits on them, but like <laughs> if you do it, well, like also it's truly like show business. You get to, there's a, a live audience and, you know, it's like being there's on SNL. pizza everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so, it is so fun. And I, I would love to work on a multicam again. Tape night. Yeah, uh, tape night's the best. Oh my gosh. You feel so important. You're like, I made this. I know. I made I know. this thing and now we get to celebrate and, um, so yeah, that was that was an amazing time. I drove to work feeling incredibly grateful every day. And oh, yeah. um yeah, I mean, you know, it's just like once it starts happening, you're like, oh my God. I was I, I rem- get to do this. I remember the first tape night. I was on top of the Warner Brothers parking garage eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich off a paper plate. It was like midnight when I got to go home. And I like took this selfie that like was this whole long like eating a fucking peanut butter sandwich on the roof of the Warner Brothers parking lot. I haven't seen my wife and but but like I'm living my dream. Like I was so <laughs> happy. Like I was like I did it. Like I yeah. I, I felt like a million dollars every morning. I jump out of bed. My wife was like, "Why are you so excited to go to work?" <laughs> and I was like, "Friendship, comedy, yeah. Starburst." Like yeah. are you joking? Starburst, a free lunch. I still 10 years in, that's the part I can't get over. I'm like, we get a free lunch. No, no, no. I don't think you understand. We get a menu and like we get to pick what we want and Uh then they bring it to us. I I don't know. Do you, how do they do that? Do you get a menu on your desk every morning or is it, or by the way, this may have been pre-COVID times, I don't, you know. Yeah, pre-COVID, pre-COVID we would get menus and then I think it moved to like it depends on the show. Some some shows you get it the night before. Mm-hmm. And I've, that's, done, I've had that too. That's helpful for making healthy choices, I think, <laughs> because you're like, I want a burger right now, but tomorrow I'll eat a salad. But if you make the decision in the morning, you're less likely to uh, make a smart choice. Do you have a place that you're like, no, I will not. Tender greens. Same. I booed. I'm so sorry. I'm. They mean well. I think their heart's in the right place, but- <laughs> One, I got really sick from tender greens. Oh, no. And two, it's like I've peeled enough inch thick chicken skin off their chicken breast. Like, it's just all chicken skin over there. And you don't, like, no, no meat. I'm, <laughs> I don't get it. If you're going to do a salad place, you know, do sweet greens. Yeah. I, I, tender greens, sweet greens, Mendocino Farm, mm. those are the three where I'm like, no. Um, I'm going to throw one at you that is a little bit, uh, what's the word? Divisive. I do not like Jones on third. Oh yeah. That's a curveball. Tell me what you don't like about it. It's just the same. It's the, it's like bland home cooking. Uh, I think their Chinese chicken salad is watery and wet. Shots fired (laughs) over here. I know some people don't love the La Scala salad because it's a wet rag. I disagree. La Scala is giving me flavor. Jones is giving me a sort of like slick, oily, like uh, uh, I don't even know, a coat of dewy uh, lettuce. (laughs) Dewy lettuce. (laughs) Um, I feel bad. I shouldn't talk. No, about, I shouldn't why? talk about salads. You can like talk that. about salad. You can talk about whatever you want. Um, but yeah, there's another place called Spitz that's like a donair kebab place that was like a big blech, and oh. it's close to Warner Brothers. I don't know if where do you guys do Family Guy? We Fox, uh, actually we are in a very random building across the street from the Tar Pits. Oh, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, and I feel like it's a famous building. Maybe like a Die Hard scene was shot there. Something was shot there once. Okay. See, this is where my memory sucks. You is it would a remember. Huge building? Mm, it's it's a massive building, but I'm, it's not a tall building. Okay. Is it Nakatomi Plaza? That's what it is in Die Hard. It's like a huge looking like brick. Not it's not brick, but the color is brick, and there's like black glass. I don't think but so. I think it's in Century no, City. I so. might be, yes, I think you're right about that. I might be getting my movies confused. That's okay. That's okay. Um, but you're in person? We are. I mean, not anymore, but we were doing in person, and then there's like a rotating Zoom room. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, mostly in person. I it's It sucks in some ways, but I do think it's better for comedy's sake what? to be in person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And... I, yeah, so. What is it like uh, being on staff with the fucking head of the WGA, Mr. David Goodman? So he's not there anymore. Um, Oh, he's on Hysteria. 
He's like co-showrunner. He yeah, was. Yeah, he's doing all kinds. It's of crazy that I know things. all this. Um, no, I love that because I lost out on that job to him. They're like they're really? giving it to David Goodman. I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to compete <laughs> with the fucking president of the WGA. Yeah, sure. He's um he's a celeb these days. He's a big celeb. Uh, he actually was on Dads, so I have worked with. That's how I know David Goodman was. He was on my first job and. He was a very good mentor uh, and was very nice to me and helpful in terms of like, uh, you know, this is what you do in a room. This is what you don't do in a room. This is how to pitch, you know, like, oh, that's that's a good idea. What if it was this? Uh, that's what he, I mean. He's great at that. He's great with writers. He, so. I, I went to a showrunner school thing he taught at the WJ and he was amazing. And uh, was that helpful? So helpful. Mm. I mean, like. Truly, this is going to sound like fanboy, but the the way that I saw how it's done was Bill Lawrence used to do, it was called showrunner school. And like, it was like, a, he didn't like put on a class, but he would be like, okay, like this, like if you guys give a shit, this is how I'm going to talk to the network, watch. Mm. And like, he would not, they would give him notes and he got to decide like which he wanted and which not. And like, he would teach you how to talk to the network, how to, how to present yourself at a, at a run through. Everybody wears a blazer or a nice dress on show night. There were just like certain things where, he was like, you get to dick around or, you know, that's not the words he used, but you get to screw around like every day of, you know, for work. And we get to have these dream jobs that are harder to get than being a football player in the NFL. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think there's some respect and decorum that goes along with it. And so when it's show night, like put on a show and a blazer and a dress and. Yeah. Um, but he really, I saw the way he did things. And I know like more senior writers didn't really jive with his way of doing things. And that's why I got hired is because on season two, he was like, I'm tired of listening to all these like, uh, uh, veterans. Like I just want a bunch of staff writers that will like, you know, eat this <laughs> shit up. And yeah. of course, like enter all of us being like, Oh my, like fawning over him and like <laughs> fighting for who got to sit next to him on the golf cart on the way to the Warner brothers gym. Um, so that's, that's where I sort of saw. And then I had a bad experience on another show with a showrunner who lost the confidence of the room when we were out of the country mm. uh, on location. And I saw like when you lose the confidence of the people that are working, it's over. That does happen, doesn't it? Yes. And it's really interesting. I was actually thinking on my drive here, I was like these, some of these like writing podcasts are funny because there are things that all of us aren't saying. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? There are just things you can't say. Yeah. And there are things you don't say. And so much of what we do is about like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. He's great. Oh, my God. He's so great. And it's in our heads. We're like that fucking asshole. Yeah. Um, and this whole business is like, can you write me a wreck? Like when you like have a job <laughs> interview, it's like, can you tell someone else how fucking great I am? And it's like, yeah, I'm happy to. But like so much of this whole thing is like a high school game of telephone of like, have you ever worked with Maggie Mall before? What's she like? Like, yes. what's the most annoying thing she does in the room? Oh, it's so bad. Like, it's so bad. What? And I, I used to be very careful about that stuff. And I feel like then I got lazy and I was like, oh, if people don't like me, they don't like me. What am I going to do? Yeah. I feel like my big issue is if you ask me about someone for lack of a better expression, that sucks. Like I have to tell you the truth because if you go and hire that person, it reflects poorly on me yes. and you're not going to trust me you know, for other stuff, because you're like, he's a bad judge of character, you know, so I have to be honest. And so hopefully the people that you are asking for Rex for like you. Yes. And hopefully you've worked with them because yes. I get requests from people who are like, hey, can you can you like put in a good word for me on the show? And it's like, I met you once at a party. I don't know if you can write. I don't know what you're like day in and day out for, you know, 12 hours a day in a yeah. room. It's a whole different muscle and beast. And yeah. It's interesting. Uh, but yeah, again, I, w I wouldn't recommend someone if I didn't know what they were actually like as in the job position. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maggie, I'm sure so many people would like want to hear about Family Guy. I don't give a fuck about Family Guy. I mean, like I love it and I watch <laughs> it, but I want to what I want to ask you about is something that I've experienced because you and I actually talked about it very briefly. I don't know if you remember, but um, when I knew Fairfax was not coming back. Yes. And everybody around town was like, oh, my God, you have a show, uh, two seasons. You did it. You're Greg Berlanti. I'm like, you are <laughs> fucking dumb. That's not how it works. But, like, I can't cancel my show publicly before yes. Amazon does. Yes. So I'm just like, yeah, it's so great. And then, like, walking into my car, like, my tail between me, like, like a fucking loser. I fucking got this show canceled. I fucking hate everything. And I'm like a fraud. That was, like, the worst part is, like. I felt so lucky to have the opportunity and to do it. And it is incredible. Yeah. And like, I watch it and love it, but 
everybody who doesn't do what we do thinks like you figured it out and you're made in the shade. And, you know, I, I think you know, I'll let you tell me you had a similar experience where you may have known your show might not be coming back before the rest of the world. Yes. Um, and actually, the last podcast I did was like two days after I found that out and I couldn't talk about it. But of course, they were like, what's going on with the show? Let's talk about the second season. And it sucks because it makes a liar of you. Like I had to sit there and it's recorded and be like, oh, yeah, we, we just don't know. And it's like I did know. I did know it wasn't coming back. Um, and do you know it, when you knew? Did you know before you were told officially? Like, can you did you read the tea leaves or whatever? Um, I really didn't know. I knew uh, I knew it wasn't good because we got moved from ABC to Hulu on the last day of shooting. Oh, my God. Um, so How do they tell you that, by the way? Like, um, We got a phone call, and it was cloaked in excitement. You know, it was like, we are so excited. We are taking you off the TV and putting you on an app where people may just never see you. <laughs> um, so it felt a bit like being buried. And to be honest, I wasn't that upset at the time because I actually always thought it would be a better Hulu show. Yeah. But the unfortunate thing was that we had made an ABC show. It was the last day of shooting. Um, and so we had to like re retrofit in editing uh, the episodes for Hulu. But like, had we known that from the beginning, it might have been a, a better show. And it's just, it felt like a little bit orphaned, you know, neither ABC nor Hulu felt like they had ownership over it. And, you know, just recently they, they took it off Hulu. So they yeah, did the they did the Zaslav thing. They did the thing uh, with like Nikki was talking about with Wrecked, uh, where it's just gone, and that's that's. Did they it. tell you it's gone, or are you just like, oh, they, gone? They actually did tell us, um, but it's yeah. What is that? That's a gardener. I don't know if I'll be able to hear it or pick it up. <laughs> there, you may be hearing a leaf blower in the <laughs> back half of this. Too bad. This is not script notes. Yeah. Deal with it. <laughs> um. So yeah, that that was a bummer. The whole process was kind of a bummer. But worst of all, and my actual least favorite part of this entire business, it didn't just have to do with the show being canceled, but at every step of the way, I feel like having your own show is a lot of uh, managing information that you have that you are or aren't allowed to share and how do you share it and I'm not good at that. Like I'm, I'm not good at keep, keeping secrets. I'm not good at keeping <laughs> secrets, but in a good way. Like I can't That's really lie to people, and I feel like people deserve to know, you know, what their lives are going to look like in a few weeks. I I don't like not telling people things. Yeah. But that's so much of it, and it's also like, well, don't tell the network, you know put this in, but we know we're going to take it out. And it's like, geez, why can't we just say how we feel? <laughs> yeah. So wait, before we go into the, 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 the cancel of it, uh, we're breaking for a, a juice. We're breaking for a juice. Sip. That's fine. No, so please. Sorry. What were you sorry for? I stopped for the air conditioning. We, this is a, that's the best part about not being uh, alive. That's true. You know, um, where were you when you got the phone call we were making your show? Because that may hopefully have been another good moment for you. Yes. So that was actually a very crazy time uh, because it was COVID. And uh, we, Justin Adler and I had pitched the show to ABC, I think in October 2019, I want to mm -hmm. say. Um, and it took them a few days and they bought it and so it wasn't in the room or in the zoom as they say no this was in at abc like we drove to disney in burbank and we had the pitch and it, i mean that might be the last time i ever do that and it was the only time i've ever done it i'd never pitched a show before um part of the whole thing for me when justin came to me with the idea was like all right well I got to learn how to develop. Like, I don't know how this works. I don't know anything about the process. Like, sure, let's let's give it a go. And then it became a show, which <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't wholly prepared for. Um, but we pitched it. And then, you know, a few months later, it was like, uh oh, like wear a mask. We don't know what's happening. Covid's coming. And um, we wrote the script, the pilot during that time 
And because COVID kept going, we ended up having like another year where I just, I, then I wrote a second episode and then like, a, you know, it just, it got so drawn out um, that, but I had so much energy to do it. I had energy then that I don't have anymore. It, again, like, you know, I feel like I got a certain amount of energy and I burned it all. Um, but so we made the pilot during COVID. And what I do remember to answer your question from truly 20 minutes ago is that uh, we were on AB. I got a call. I was at Family Guy in a Zoom room on Family Guy. And I got a call and it's like, you need to jump on this ABC Zoom right now. So I did. You can't cancel me before I have a show. I know. <laughs> we went Zoom. I went Zoom to Zoom. And in the Zoom, they were like, we are going to pick up the pilot. That's the one I remember. I don't remember finding out that they were buying the sh that they had bought the pilot. Like, am I saying that right? Or even when do you know when were you were where you blah, blah, blah. do you know where you were when you got the series order? And they're like, we're going to make much more of these shows. Sorry. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. That's that. Yeah. See, I don't know the language. I need to take show running school. Um, but was I was on at home in COVID on Zoom. And that's when I found out that part. I remember everything else is a little murky. Um, Like making a pilot during the height of COVID was an insane experience. We had to cast the entire thing over Zoom. Oh my God. We had to have chemistry tests over Zoom, which is like, who has chemistry on the computer? <laughs> um, it was just, <laughs> it was kind of a nightmare. And so like having done it felt, you know, like such a victory. I think we were all really excited, but then, um, yeah. And you loved making it. Yes? No? Was it, Or was it just like too much energy? Too like, would you ever, basically what I'm asking is, would you ever want to show run again? My answer today <laughs> <laughs> is no. Okay. Um, but I think that will change. I think I'm still in recovery from, okay. from part of it, like because it was so many years of work and during a str already stressful time um and because things got so whipped about abc to hulu to like we're taking it off hulu and it just right now i'm kind of licking my wounds about it and i also would like to do something you know this was based that maggie was based on a short film and justin had brought it to me and so i even though i wrote it I didn't quite have ownership over it in the way that I would like to have if I'm creating a show. Um, so I think if I have a good enough idea, I may feel inspired again. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, but you are looking at the <laughs> the, the shell of a woman right now. What if it's <laughs> like the um, like uh, what's like a good example? Like Abbott Elementary, where they're like Quinta, you create the show, you're the vision other showrunners where it's like you can be the mayor, the puppeteer, but also like you have someone else there. That's helping. I would love that. Like, okay. because I don't like, I don't have that skill set of when to lie, when not to lie, what not to say. Um, I would love to have a showrunner who understood the ins and outs of the business, but like also appreciated my voice. And, you know, if I could bring a vision and work I would love to work with a director. Mm. Like I had a very good relationship with our director on Maggie and she and I were Natalia Anderson. She's incredible. Uh, she and I worked really well together in terms of like having a unified vision. It's like that relationship felt both creative, but also like neither one of us was stepping on the other's skill set. Uh, so yeah, that would appeal to me too. I'm here to tell you, Maggie, if you ever want to do it again, I would happily be your your uh, your showrunner. Your um Our yin and yang might yeah. work out perfectly. Because yeah. I like the studio. <laughs> like I like dealing with the network. I like like I do think like being a showman or like most people hate pitching. Do you like pitching or hate it? I hate developing, but I do like pitching. I yeah. do like the sort of like wham, but a bang. Exactly. Bong. Yeah. I'm gonna put on a fucking show for you. Sit tight, Buster. <laughs> Because these next 17 minutes are uh, going to blow you away. Brutal. 
Um, and it's like the most adrenaline I, I get. Like, mm. I don't know why. Like, after and before, I have so much adrenaline. <laughs> like, I could be going on at fucking Radio City Music Hall for all you know. <laughs> but no, it's just a Zoom. Do you read your pitches? I do. Well, here's the deal. I used to not. And then when I started working with Teddy and Aaron, they're like, you fucking moron. No, you write it all out. Yes. And then, like, you pretend that you're not reading it. You're performing it, but like it's George Carlin scripted to a T. Yes. And they think that this is off the top of your dome. So the thing I like about Zoom is like I put my little iPad here and like I'll refer to it, but you don't really know that I'm, you know, and I'm very colloquial and I talk Mm. or I write the way I talk and I talk the way that I write. So like it's kind of like tricking you. Um, And in person with the Nicole Delaney thing that we sold also was like paper, but like we would just like refer to it. Um back and forth for the most part like i'm just yeah i'm I'm doing like a scripted play for you that's um that's better than what i do what are you what's your pitch style i pretty much read it and I, but i do practice enough that like i can look up from it yeah. but um i feel like i get way too heady sometimes with what i'm writing and i try to be really like pretentious and you know everything is about like the spirit of love and like what it means to be alive and human um like i (laughs) i truly try to explain the meaning of life in every single pitch and that that might be problematic but uh yeah we we could probably have a great back and forth yeah. And I, you know, because I'm always <laughs> I'm always a one man team and it feels like most of the time unless you're working with someone you are too. When I wrote with Nicole or did Fairfax with Teddy and Aaron, I had no clue. I was like, this is so much easier because, you know, it's usually one on four basketball uh, where I'm the one man yes. and you're four people, but to have someone else there that can like help you if you like don't know the answer to a question or like save you from whatever, like it's just so much easier, I think. Yeah. The the being one person pitching to like, I think I've pitched to like 10, 10 or 12 people before on a zoom. That was a lot. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, if, if I drop this ball, no one's there to pick it up. Um, and do they all go on mute by the way? Yeah. I hate that. And like, I know they're checking their phones because I would check my phone. Like yeah. if I could check my phone during a pitch, I would, but I can't. <laughs> um, so it's, it's all fine. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very hard work, I think, developing that pitch. And, like, when they want, you know, what does the pilot look like? I get too intense with that, and I probably give too much information. But, uh, man, that stuff exhausts me. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that that is partially why right now I'm kind of like, I would probably one day like to have my own show, but I'm really just in the mood to what you said earlier. Like, I just want to sit in a room – I want someone to say, like, Peter Griffin walks in. Does he fart? Does he burp? Like, you know, is there a wiener joke? And it's like, I got this. Um, are you, so are you guys currently writing? or No. Oh, right. What the fuck am I talking about? A WGA strike. Yeah. I, like, just had, like, the biggest brain fart ever. I still ask <laughs> them, like, are you working? They're like, no, dude. Are you? And I'm like, well, on April 24th, Illumination hired me for their, like, writing program. Cool. Oh, my God. That's cool. And I'd wanted, I've wanted this job for years and i thought like oh i'm not going to be able to do this and then the wga sent us an email being like if you're a dual member of the animation guild and the writers guild and your contract predates may one like do do it i was like thank god that's awesome but like people you know like people are like i feel bad because i'm like rah rah equal pay Uh, guys i gotta go i got a conference call about mario (laughs) this is what i've 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 figured it out, or at least I've, I'm able to sleep at night. I was not able to garner WGA work since 2019. Mm. It's all been Animation Guild. I've gone out for 400 shows. I write showrunners, like, personal letters of, like, I wrote Mindy, and I forget the other guy's name. Justin on, Noble. Yes. Uh, on He was a the fellow staff writer on Dad's. Okay. Was, yeah. I wrote him an email, or not an email, because I would never do that. I wrote them, like, I write professional letters on PDF, and I have my agent send wow, it with my good shit. good for you. Just to be like, look. You're going to get a thousand of these. If there was a letter, uh, that's why I would, I, I want, I want you to know I took the time to like yes. give a shit enough to like know who you are, do some homework. And this is why I could write on your good show. Good for you. That's a really good idea. But it never works. It worked when we were trying to get music on Fairfax. Mm. Like I had to write Lady Gaga letter, got the song. Whoa. Had to write Donald Glover letter, got the song. Yeah. But like with showrunners, it's like, mm, we don't give a shit. Like we are so fucking, but I wrote <laughs> in Mindy and Justin's letter, I was like, Hey guys, nice to meet you. My name is Matt. I'm a this, I'm a that. 
let's just get, address the the elephant in the room. I am not a fucking college girl, <laughs> um, but you know the the sample that I wrote is about my freshman year right after 9-11, and I mm. had a Muslim roommate who is still one of my best friends and I love. I was like, look, I can write college. I have a script about, yeah. like, please, no, silence. But what, I, but what I was told is, like, dude, I think, like, 700 scripts got sent to them, and I, I – because for so long, I'm like, it's me. Like, I don't have cool credits. I have, like, a soccer Netflix thing, a fucking multicam with a canceled star and uh, an animated show on Fairfax or an animated show on Amazon, like – why would you hire me when you're getting people with credits like Family Guy? What we do with the shadows? Ted Lasso, you know, whatever. And so I was like, well, the only way I can differentiate myself is like writing these letters. They have yet to work, but I will continue writing them. I think it's a big deal that you had your own show. I, I would, I would put that at the top of the pile. I would, I would assume, and my reps will tell me, Matt, this is going to change everything. This is what this is. Yeah. And I was like. No, it's not. It's not like I fucking created uh, Seinfeld or Sopranos. Like, and I, I thought it would. Like, I thought I would never be in the position of this is like getting scary where yes. I have to like go back and work at Barney's. I don't know if you know that I went and worked at Barney's in New York. I um, didn't. In 2018, I couldn't get staff to save my, le- my life. Is Barney's closed? Yeah, forever. Oh gone. God, that sucks. And I know why. And when I was working there, I could have gone to the board and been like, let me tell you why your company's going bankrupt. Mm. Because all the fucking people that you hire are under 25. They don't give a shit about customer service. They're yeah. all on fucking TikTok all day. <laughs> and when you guys announce like 50% off sale for employees, they take all the cool merch oh. and they hide it in the back. So that when the 50% credit comes up, they buy it and then mm. resell it. Mm. And on top of online, that's why you bankrupt Barney's. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, but what what a sale. Right? But <laughs> Do you remember the airport sales they would have? They would have oh, like yeah. big, the warehouse hanger. sales, of yeah. course. Those Got some great. wonderful Marc Jacobs uh, sweaters back <laughs> yes. in the day. Yes, that was exactly right. But I was always like my hope after Fairfax was like I will never have to – not be unemployed, like obviously it'll be a hiatus and times in between jobs, but like I'll never be in such a dire financial position where at 32 years old, which is how old I was back then, that I'll have to go and work at the Grove. No shade to anyone that works at the Grove, but like when you're 33, four and like have a wife and a kid, you know, it's like not what you imagine after yeah. you have. Well, you just never want to go back to where you were. Like yes. no one wants that trajectory. Yes. Um, and especially since in writing, it's like the goal of what we do essentially is to have your own show. Like you think once you reach that goal that you can keep moving. I mean, we're in the same boat. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever have a show again. I don't know. I just don't know. Especially now with everything that's going on with our strike, there's a lot of uh, uncertainty that uh, I'm struggling to wrap my head around. Do you have any uh, revelatory thoughts about the strike? And I don't mean to put you on the spot. I'm just, I have an opinion or two. And so I'm curious uh, about yours. My opinions, uh, I have two opinions. I have two opinions that are uh, in complete opposition to one another. My first opinion comes from my complete lack of self-worth, which is like, I get a free lunch. I get to go to a great job. Like I get paid more than I ever thought I would get paid for a job in my life. Like, What's to be mad about? That's one opinion. The second opinion is like, oh, we should be striking. Like yeah. this sucks. And there's a lot of problems. Uh, and it's just a bummer because I, I genuinely love what I do. And like I was thinking about what you were saying earlier about your peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right, on the roof. And it's like we work. The fact that for some people working super late at night and eating a sandwich on a rooftop would sound like hell but writers, that's like what we want. We want to work really hard. The, the shit that we eat to do what we have to do is immense. Like that's part of the job. So the fact that we are striking means like you really have to push us for us to be upset or, or to feel degraded. Yeah. <laughs> I had a friend DM me be like, and she doesn't know, but she was like, no offense. It seems like you guys make a lot of money. So like, what's the deal? And for a minute, I was triggered. I was going to just like unleash. And then I was like, no, like my job is to educate her in a diplomatic way because a lot of people just see us and they see houses in Los Angeles and fancy fucking cars or whatever it is that you see. And that's yes. after years and years and years of clawing your way to be here. Um, 
But like I explained, like the entire model of television has changed since the days of Friends and Seinfeld. And, you know, even when you write on a show like Family Guy, those shows replay all the time. So you probably have a padded income so that you can get by should you not have a job from time to time or whatever. Yes. And now on streaming, you can have the like Stranger Things, biggest show of all time. Those dudes aren't getting residuals. They're getting a shit ton of money from an overall. Yeah. But like they deserve the residuals on top of that or whatever. You know, and so they'll tell you Stranger Things was number one this week, but they will never give us the data because Mm. that's what keeps them in a position of power. And if we knew what we were actually worth, the way that, you know, when Marta Kaufman would wake up on Thursday morning and see the numbers for friends, she would know like, right, I deserve this. And you're making this much money from ad sales. So like pay me. Yeah. But we're like, uh, like, please, please, can we have like a season two, please? (laughs) I, I heard on your podcast that you got one check. Yes, that I got one blows, residual check split three ways. That blows my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, issues like that, it's just, it's unacceptable. And so I have to put my self-loathing aside, which is really hard to do, and be like, you know what? We deserve better. We do. Um, it's just, it's scary. And my deeper concern is that we're operating in like a Hollywood system that's just totally in flux it's not what it used to be so a strike doesn't mean what it used to mean and like we're working with corporations who don't care um and content like i i don't know i don't know what anything means anymore so (laughs) yeah i i i part of me was like oh no this is gonna be fine like sag's gonna strike and then i'm like uh maybe they won't because they're healthcare and if and if the amptp offers to like refill the healthcare fund like they, you'd have to take that deal. Yes. Like, how do you say no to that? They might not strike. I don't know that they will. Yeah, and that's okay. Like Everyone's got to do what they got to do. My issue with the strike uh, of it all is I totally understand the purpose of being out there to stop trucks, to stop mm-hmm. productions, to fuck up the bottom line of these studios. I don't know if I need a drum circle or a Newsies-themed picket. I I love fun. I just don't know if like strikes are supposed to be fun. And like, of course, like there's going to be a level of revelry and camaraderie. You're, you know, writers are fun by nature for the most part. I know some of us are, you know, uh, introspective mouth breathers. But for the most part, the comedy writers at least uh, are a fun group. And so it's fun to see your friends and yada, yada, yada. In those first few weeks, it was. But now, like, I went to Radford yesterday, and I was just like, this is... It's getting bleak. It is, it is yeah. getting bleak, and it's like the depleted, you know, I think people are are starting to lose the, the energy. And I think a lot of those emails from the WGA, while I appreciate, they just, like, come off as, like, grading and tone deaf because they don't reflect how I think writers are really feeling. And I know they're trying to keep up momentum, and they're trying to keep us feeling like things are positive and they have to put a positive spin on it like we're making a difference and yeah we are when we're stopping trucks and fucking up shows but um you know weezer god bless them they're not helping anything like other than maybe shining a light you know because someone follows weezer who doesn't have a clue about what's going on in hollywood yeah so i'm kind of going like my opinion is the studios are just waiting till they can enact force majeure, which is a big giant duh. That's not like some, you know, genius yes. thing. Yeah. And <laughs> they have a dearth of content to like let to run out the clock for a yeah. long time. Yeah. And so I I don't know how this comes to an end. You know, like I don't either. And I think that's starting to dawn on people of like, okay, week four, we've gone a month at least without a paycheck. A lot of people have gone a lot longer than that, but like we've gone a month without working. That's novel. It's novel. Oh my God. Remember that time I didn't work for a month? LOL. Like, but week seven, you're like, geez, when am I going to get a paycheck again? And when am I going to have a job again? And my job can't be showing up and walking in a circle all day. Like I have got to use my time like to do something. So it's really it gets difficult. Um, and, and yeah. And I also normally when, when we are not striking, you know, I go to this little office every day in Toluca Lake. I try to work from like 10 to four and like be productive and like push balls down the field. And since we struck, it was the first time I was like, I just, I'm taking a break. Like I can't other than some of the like illumination stuff. I can't, I, I don't have the energy right now. It's the first time where I'm truly like, 
it sucked out of me. And like, if everyone's stopping work, like I'm truly going to stop work. So people, you know, my reps are like, are you specking anything? I'm like, no. Yeah. I don't like, no, <laughs> I don't have fucking, I don't have the, 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 the energy right now. I'm just like, I'm happy to hear that because I'm not either. And my assumption is like, oh, everyone is off writing right now. Um, but a lot of people I've talked to are really tired and yeah. there's something like you go out I was picketing in the mornings for like, you know, three and a half hours and I would come home and sleep for two hours because I was exhausted talking to people, walking around and <laughs> like it's it's just tiring. And then the last thing you want to do is like be creative when you get home. Um, and also there's something. I don't know, I I think we're all a little blue about it. And so you don't feel that inspired to write something knowing that it has no home right now. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I feel that, that way too. Yeah. Prior to the strike, I'd be like, Johnny fucking Hollywood. Like, what can I set up? Who can I call? <laughs> and like, you know, my mom's like, you should have been an agent. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, but like, I enjoy the writing part of it. And yes. so the producing aspect of whatever is, is what I enjoy. And, you know, there were a handful of projects that I was like ready to pitch and I was about to and bibbidi ba And then, when this happened, I was like, you know what? I deserve a break. I just, I don't, I don't have it in me. I just, and, and I feel like we deserve that. You know, it's like, if we're going to go march around in the sun and, and that's the other thing that I feel bad about is like, I don't do it every day. Like last week I didn't do it once. I had ingrown toenail surgery. So like I'm oh, exempt. Yes. <laughs> but, that sucks. But, oh, have you, are you? I'm an, in, I'm an ingrown lady. Oh yeah. My God. I've had a few. Oh my and when, God. when it hits, you're like, oh, I'm out for a week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, when that cauterizer acid does dog. But um, even before like when before you get the surgery and you have an ingrown toenail and it's infected, yeah. that sucks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, my friends were surprised like how'd you find someone that could do it today? I was like, dude, uh I'm a man on a fucking mission. Like I, yeah. I need this taken out of my fucking toe cuz like I tried doing it. This is now talking toes. I tried doing it myself and it does not. It's not. <laughs> Good. Do you know? Yes, you can't do it yourself. No. And to bring the whole thing back to writing, yes, please. The first day of shooting our pilot, I had ingrown toenail surgery. I it was <laughs> it was. I remember. Sorry, everyone. I was clipping my toenails while we were like on a Zoom a casting Zoom or something. I wasn't paying attention. Did something stupid. Got an ingrown toenail. We had our first day of shooting, and I was like, I have to. I have to get this taken care of, or else I'm going to be out for the week. Like. So on set, uh, the medic had to get me like a bucket of hot water. You want to like not get respect on a television show set that uh, you helped create. Put your foot in a bucket of water on the first day of shooting and sit like out in the lawn. It was it was not great. But anyway, <laughs> my toenails fine now. Good, good. But yeah, the striking of all is like, I really, I just, I... I want it all to kind of crumble because it wasn't, uh, it couldn't go on that way, but I hope something new is built up in a, yeah, you know, and I, maybe that's naive, but I have to, I have to somewhat be hopeful because like the, I, I wanted so badly to like get here and be here. And now that we are all here, it's like, dude, this is, I don't know where I was going with that other than this. No, I know, I know exactly what you mean. It's, it reminds me of a cartoon when like someone's in line to buy tickets and they like finally get to the front of the line and they pull that metal thing down. Yeah. It's like, wait a second. Yeah. Is this a joke? Yeah. We just got here. I've been waiting in line for my whole life yes. and now you're closing Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Maggie, you are revered for Moltoons and cartoons, and you've had cartoons in The New Yorker. Yes? Yes, I have. Pretty yes. fucking cool. Thank you. Um, are you allowed to do cartoons right now? You know what? That's the first. <laughs> yes, I am, and Good. I had not thought of that. <laughs> I um, I stopped doing The New Yorker cartoons because it was so much, uh, it was such a huge commitment. Like, you had to send them 10 a week. Oh, and wow. I'm not a great artist naturally. Like I have to, you know, if someone's, if I had an idea for something and there was a horse in it, I'd have to like really take my time drawing that horse. Um, How to draw a horse. Yeah, Google. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so to do 10 of those was just too much work with being a writer. Um, 
and I stopped doing it. But honestly, like what you just said, maybe maybe now's the time to do that. Yeah. But again, it's like I'm going to pick it and then I'm going to come home and draw. That sounds like a lot of work. Where are you <laughs> living these days? I'm in Mar Vista. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry for making you come all the way to oh Laurel my, Canyon. No, I love Laurel Canyon. Laurel Canyon feels like L.A., it's, and I like that. I don't know what your next appointment is, but there's a very cute walk that's like 510 no, around I'm, here. I'm not going on a walk. Okay. Oh, right, 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 right. Picketing. <laughs> I wanted to show you a beautiful view, but we don't need to do that, Maggie. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. No, no, we can do that. No, when, when, when I say walk, did you think like the, the, the circumference of the Disney building? I did thought you, you were PTSD? like sending me out oh, yeah, on no, like no. I'm not exercise just send, no, after no, this. No, 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 no. <laughs> just if you wanted to take in a little bit of the... Um, uh, Lisa Chola Danko, mm. Laurel Canyon, wow. Francis McDormand, uh, yeah. by way of uh, Zach Braff. Uh, <laughs> when you say it like that, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, okay. So strike, no strike. I'll wrap it up by like, what do you like? What do you? Uh, you just want to get back to Family Guy? Like, is there anything in the future you were excited about? Um, you know, right before this strike got called, I was developing something that was. I was excited about, and I, I was just about to go off and write. Was the, this with Harper? Uh, no, this was this is on my deal with Twentieth, which I'm sure will very soon be terminated. So it's a weird. I don't even know if that project is still alive. Mm. I, it probably won't be. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to get back to Family Guy, and I'm really excited to think of something that I want to write and to like write it. I feel that it's coming. I feel that it's close, but like I've never really done that where it's like, this is my voice and this is my story. And uh, I am telling it in the way I want to be telling it and in a way that I'm proud of. I, I haven't done that yet. So I'm excited to write something that feels uh, like self-expression. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll keep our eyes <laughs> peeled uh, after the strike, you know, yes. because we're we're napping. We're not writing. We're napping. Um, are you currently writing something with Harper? Or like she said, I may be doing something with Maggie. Yes. We we might be writing a movie together, which would be so fun. Harper's my best friend. She's she's a dream. I'm picturing knows. Goldie Hawn and Susan Sarandon in The Banger Sisters. Oh, don't when you, you dare. <laughs> that sounds incredible. We could be so lucky. <laughs> um Maggie, thank you for coming to do this. Thank you. This was so fun. I so appreciate you. Uh, a, as a writer, B, as a listener, and, and C, as a guest. Uh, I really thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was a hoot. You're welcome. You're welcome.